If you're a health entrepreneur, coach, or practitioner that wants to turn your expertise into a high six or seven figure virtual business with less stress, so you can impact more people at a deeper level while making more money and enjoying a greater quality of life in the process, then the Health Printer Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Uriel Kame. I'm a former pro athlete, leading health expert, New York Times bestselling author, and the founder of Health Printer, where I help experts just like you create and fill high-end virtual coaching programs that create dream come true results for your clients. Now, for a free and in-depth training on how to do just that without manual prospecting, one-on-one coaching, or having to spend years building your online following, head on over to healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash training and jump on to our seven-figure health business blueprint training today. And now, let's get to today's episode. Hello guys, Yuri here and welcome to the Health Printer Podcast. I've got another treat for you today. This is going to be a fun conversation with Josh Trent. This is not your typical business discussion. This is going to go a little bit, a little bit meta, a little bit higher level, a little bit uh, ethereal, spiritual, however you want to think of it, but extremely profound and I think it'll really open up some questions in your mind about how you approach life, how you approach business, <clears throat> how to overcome emotional blocks that are holding you back from things in your life and your business. And I think you'll get some really good value out of this episode. So let me tell you a little bit about Josh before we invite him onto the show. He's the founder of Wellness Force, which is a wellness industry, uh, obviously a company. He has a great podcast by the same name, the Wellness Force Radio and the Fitness and Technology Podcast. He's got over 13 years in the health and fitness industry, and he obviously leads the Wellness Force community and helping them discover physical and emotional intelligence to help women and men live life well. Great guy, very sincere, very genuine. So without any further ado, let's welcome Josh Trent to the Healthpreneur Podcast. Josh, welcome to the Healthpreneur Podcast. How's it going, buddy? It is going fantastic. Thanks for having me, Yuri. Yes, I'm excited to to have a chat with you because we had a really cool conversation before we started recording. And I'm like, hey, let's just record this and continue the conversation pretty much. So give our, um, I mean, give our listeners, obviously I've given a bit of a background and, and a bit of your bio, but give our listeners a sense of like your journey, how you got to where you are now, you know, starting off as a trainer and kind of working through that, that whole process to where things are today. Yeah. The quick and skinny is that I was not skinny for a big portion of my life. So there was a phase, probably two decades where I used food as a drug. A lot of people can relate to this. You know, you're, it's where a lot of health and wellness professionals, they deal with their own internal struggles and that's what leads them to be a a healer. You know, the wounded healer path becoming the healer themselves. And so that was my story. Um, I was raised in an environment where my mom had bipolar. It was pretty bad at the time. So I never really felt at home. I never really felt safe there and I needed a way to cope when I was young. So I used food to do that. And over the course of those two, you know, two decades, I just figured out, Oh, I like sports. I like being athletic. I like moving. So I'll, I'll do this. And so I played football. I learned about weight training and I really started to tap into this physical intelligence that we all have that we're all born with. But to no surprise, I didn't have the emotional tools to deal with life and I was still using food. So I'm 22 years old. I'm in this body that's almost 280 pounds. 
friends. I'm drinking beer at a party because I had just used alcohol to not feel as well. I'm in a relationship that I don't like. I'm in a job that I hate. I mean, man, I was like primed for a huge sledgehammer to the back of the head by the universe. And I felt this moment where I was sitting there and I was drinking. I think I was playing beer pong. I slammed the red cup down, Yuri. I was just like, there's more to life than this. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do, but I knew that I had kind of built up enough pain. I had accumulated enough pain to where I know I didn't want to continue to walk this line anymore of not being connected to myself. And so I slammed the cup down. I ran home drunk. <laughs> I ran home drunk for like Those fun, th- drunken runs. Yeah, yeah. For three miles. And I got home, man. And I opened up the computer and I think I typed in like, how do I be healthy? And the next 18 months was kind of a trial by fire. You know, I, I did Atkins. I did all these weight loss programs and regained the weight, you know, plus and minus 40 pounds. Then I got to this point where I literally said, you know what? I, I don't know what to do. I don't have the education. I don't understand what it's like to really be in touch with my body. So I sold everything I owned, literally my truck, my clothes, everything moved to Hawaii. And in Hawaii for six months, I really just connected with nature at 24 years old. And that was my kind of ethos to just get well, to live my life well. I remember this, I was working out at a 24 hour fitness in Hawaii and the fitness manager came out to me and said, Hey, you should think about being a trainer. I've seen you get some pretty good results. And I looked at him and I was like, what's a trainer? (laughs) I didn't even know what personal (laughs) training was. And that led me on this road where I think a lot of people start, you know, fitness is this catalyst for wellness. And so over the next, you know, 10 years, I was training clients and managing teams. And then I met a mutual friend, Sean Croxton, who opened me up to this online world of, you know, really serving more than just one person at a time. And um, there were some other thresholds that I went through, other emotional intelligence trainings that really brought me to here. But now, you know, with Wellness Force, I'm really just starting where I always started, which is how do I live my life well and how do I discover this physical and emotional intelligence? That's awesome. That's great, man. So when you say emotional intelligence, like what is, is that, is that coined in the same way that we typically think of emotional intelligence or is it a different, do you have a different connotation for that? Yeah, this is a great question because emotional intelligence is kind of flo- uh, it's thrown around. You know, there's a there's an author Travis Bradbury. He has emotional intelligence 2.0, which is honestly just a fun way of saying, am I present in the moment and do I have self awareness? Am I present in the moment and do I have self awareness? I believe that is really the two segments of emotional intelligence. If we do those in every moment, we're always going to be authentic. We're always going to allow the other person to feel who we really are. Yeah, that's good. Did I lose you there, Josh? Nope, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> so we had that that rogue cell phone interference again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice, but it's it's so true because I don't know if you if if this is something you recognize, you know, managing people and teams. But one of the things that I I've recognized is. I don't even like hiring people. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the best hire, but one of the most important things I look for is emotional intelligence. Like however it's defined is, is, is can this individual just like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, do they get it? Do like, do they get people? Can they just be a good human? Even if they don't have the skill set, because I find it such an important, like you can train the skills, but how do you train emotional intelligence? And like, maybe that's, that's like, can, can you train emotional intelligence in, in, in the way you've defined it? 
I think you can train emotional intelligence, but at the core of it all, there has to be this ethos of this fire of curiosity. I think what happens is when people lose their curiosity, that's when they start to decline in their emotional intelligence. So I'll tell you this, the the number one thing that I believe gets in people's way of increasing their emotional intelligence is unprocessed events from life and specifically from childhood. Hmm. Um, We carry, you know, you look at Bruce Lipton's work, you look at Bessel van der Kolk's work. We carry so many things in our tissues. You know, the issues are in the tissues. That's not just an alliteration for no reason. Um, the, the things that get in our way is the things we're not dealing with as adults that may have happened when we were kids. And I think training that aspect, digging into those, not from a place of having to do it, like you don't have to do the work. None of us have to do any emotional intelligence work. But if we're noticing that the results that we're achieving in our adult life are not aligned with what we really believe we're worth, what we really believe we deserve, well, then it's time. It's time to dig into your past and to understand, okay, what are the things that I haven't processed and how do I let those go? What do I need to become? Who do I get to be to let those go? How do you recommend someone start on that journey? Because yeah. there's a lot of different there's a lot of different modalities, I guess. There's a lot of different um, yeah, I don't know. Like what what would you recommend someone like for you, what's been the most impactful in that that discovery journey? So uh, breath for me, uh, the breathing modality of box breath. I learned this from Mark Devine at a seal fit event. Mm-hmm. I think breath is the most underrated emotional intelligence growth tool in the world. But yet it's our only autonomic system function that we have any kind of control over. So, you know, all of us, we breathe throughout the day, but we don't notice when we're not breathing because it's something that, you know, something's actually breathing us, which is a totally different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that, you know, going into a session of box breath where it's a literally you draw a box, you know, you inhale, you hold, you exhale, you hold each one of those corners of the box is five seconds. Mm -hmm. That has been what I do before I make a high tension decision or before I go into a meeting or speak on a stage or, you know, even come on a podcast. It's like, can I take loving ownership of my nervous system, of my state before I do something that, you know, is something. I really care about, you know, like a conversation or a presentation, whatever it is. So I found up front doing this box breathing, doing five to seven rounds of that Yuri, where each corner of the box has five seconds of holding. That is the perfect place to start for any of us because you don't need to read a book or go to a seminar. You can do it right now. It's something that you can add massive value to your life with right now because you have control over it. You know, you don't have control over so many things in life, but the breath is one thing you can control yeah that's amazing and it's so funny too because i will catch myself like am i am i even breathing like that's how shallow i'm breathing right now and just being aware of the fact that i'm breathing so shallowly or you know not in a relaxed fashion i guess the first step is just being aware to make to kind of see what's going on and then making the decision to do that type of breath work um do you have or or do you recommend Uh, specific triggers or is it just a matter of tuning in throughout the day in a more natural organic way? 
Yeah, this attunement, um, I remember speaking with Johnny Blackburn. He's a men's group leader here in Southern California, and his all of his work and trainings are based off of David Data. Mm-hmm. And so Data uses, you know, different models that were actually pulled from Ken Wilber. And you look at this integrity model, and then, of course, before that, there was Buckminster Fuller. So we're always borrowing from one another. And I find that this universal wisdom where everyone can start is just to take an emotional inventory. I think really like the breath is great and the breath is a great start, but taking somewhat of an emotional inventory is probably the second step, Yuri. I I really think that it can be as simple as a journaling practice where let's say you open a blank page, you draw a line down the middle on the left side. You just get to write down 10 things that you truly know are challenging you. You know, it could be people or places or things, but get really honest because this is what's probably weighing you down the absolute most. And then on the right side, you're going to write down all the people and, and the things that you're actually truly grateful for. Those That exercise right there, it scares the crap out of people <laughs> because <laughs> being honest with yourself and, and writing 10 things that, that scare you or that cause you stress or, or pressure, um, that's not easy. You know, that, that requires this um, inward dive, this true understanding, this self-awareness practice. So once you've done that, then you get to take a full, really emotional inventory. You pick one thing, just one thing out of those 10 that you're committed to changing in the next seven days. And then you circle it and then you go on the gratitude side and you say, okay, out of these 10, what am I most excited about? What am I most grateful for? I'm going to circle one of those. So you've done your inventory. You've done 10 and 10. You circle one thing you're going to change in the next seven days. You circle one thing that you're most grateful for. And then as you call in the social support, the accountability framework, the business coaching, the personal relationships, whatever it is to move through this fear threshold, the change in that one thing, that's when you really focus on in your morning practice practice, your meditation, that one thing that you're most grateful for. Because if we don't use gratitude as a fuel for us to change, for us to approach the things that stress us out, um, I found it not to be as successful. I think gratitude is a bridge between really wanting to change and actually changing. Yeah, totally. And I would, I would totally agree with that because when I, if I'm feeling not at my best, like if I'm feeling whatever it is, stressed or just not in a great mood, um, I've got into the habit of asking myself like, all right, dude, what do you focus on? Are you focused on the crap or are you focus on gratitude? And obviously yeah. I'm not focused on gratitude because if I was focused on gratitude, I would not be, not be feeling that way. So that's uh, that's a great exercise too. I'm going to definitely try that. Yeah. The gratitude, it really is the gel that holds it all together. And I, you and I were talking before we recorded and I just got back from this amazing trip where I was doing some plant medicine, some ceremonies in Costa Rica. And I realized that these things happen for us, Yuri, they're not just happening to us. Things happen for us so that we have almost like a blade of adversity that stabs us and the universe likes to test us. And then it's only in those moments of hardship and adversity that we allow the gratitude to kind of bleed through. It's really the gratitude and the love for one another that allows us to live this life well. And I think that gets clouded by some of the constructs of our current society. Mm -hmm. Totally true. Talk to us about that experience in Costa Rica. So you said the place was called Rhythmia, was that correct? Yeah, it's Rhythmia. It's the only licensed plant medicine facility in the world. It's licensed by the Costa Rican government. So we're seeing a renaissance, not just with the work of Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler, but also the MAPS organization in um, psychedelics and in plant medicines. You know, these ancient 
uh, thousands and thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been used to heal people. And so right now, Yuri, you know, really what you do is, is you help coaches and you help people get well so they can help other people get well. And that's what we need as a collective, this global collective that we're in right now. It's sick. Like our society has a lot of psychosis. It has a lot of apathy. We're focused on negative things and there's this negativity bias that's running a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Well, I saw that in Rhythmia. I saw it all very clear. And I was able to go through a lot of my emotional intelligence work, a lot of my childhood and see all these things that had happened that honestly, man, I didn't deal with. I didn't deal with these things at all. And they were kind of running in my tissues, in my subconscious mind. We know that 90% of all of our thoughts, which then lead to actions, are subconscious. And, and I, was, um, I was operating from kind of a broken a broken mirror, a broken guidepost. And sure. so I was able to heal that there. And, um, you know, the, the challenge of this was it's not comfortable. <laughs> I'll just say that like doing plant medicine and going through this emotional inventory, um, through ayahuasca or through psilocybin or whatever it is. If you use plant medicine as a lens for personal growth, personal development, um, the most important thing is to make sure that the setting is safe. And that's why I, I chose to go to Rhythmia because it's just, it's the safest place in the world. If you want to explore that. I'm intrigued. I have to look into this now. <laughs> yeah, I have it's, a, not, it's a powerful like, place. I, I, so, I, so it's, it's interesting cause I am, um, I don't do well with marijuana. Like I've, I've, you know, done a little bit here and there, but I don't really feel that great when I've, you know, taken a few puffs. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, I want to do ayahuasca and that kind of stuff, but am I going to be completely messed uh, if if that's how I react to marijuana? So it's just, I guess, like with anything, it's like having the courage to step into the unknown and, um, you know, with the, the hope or the intention that obviously something's amazing on the, on the other end of it. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point because it's set in setting and safety for anything we do in life, um, whether it's coaching or programs or plant medicine, uh, it, that has to be the number one priority. I, I think a lot of people, you know, you look at these stories that people go to the Amazon and they dive into all these plant medicines in the Amazon. It's not always safe there. You know, you're around tarantulas and boa constrictors and it's craziness out there. So this is why the, the Rhythmia, it's the Life Advancement Center. They really focus on creating a safe space with medical doctors and, you know, the right kinds of support where people can go to these places that so many people, you know, you look at Tim Ferriss or Aubrey Marcus or people on the bleeding edge right now are talking about how powerful these plant medicine experiences have been for their own growth and really to uplevel their business as well. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I've, every time I have uh, a gathering or a dinner party or whatever with, with entrepreneurs, I'm amazed at how many of them are into psychedelics. And yeah. not just like ayahuasca and stuff, but like even like get into the point of like LSD in some cases. And not that I necessarily, you know, promote that stuff, obviously. But what's interesting is that a lot of them, for them, it's, it's not about they don't have a drug addiction. For them, it unlocks elements of their creative, the creative side of their brain that they would never have accessed otherwise. And for them, yeah. it's kind of an unfair advantage to just be a better version of themselves in that creative mode. So is that something that you like from your experience at Rhythmia, like what was the big, I don't know, you don't have to share the, the specific details, but yeah, like what was a big lesson or learning from, for you from that whole experience? The big lesson was that when I was young, uh, I was overweight. And so kids can be the ultimate uh, good wolf, bad wolf. 
And so when I was young, I was beat up a lot. I was picked on. I was spit on. I had padlocks thrown at me. I was kicked in the face. I mean, there was like atrocious things that happened to me when I was young. I blocked those out. I never actually dealt with that. I never actually released that and processed that. And so I was running my life and my business and everything, you know, even my podcast. It's like there was this underlying um, tension. So my nervous system was just the dial was kicked over slightly on a continuous basis to fight and flight to sympathetic. And so I was able to go there and see these things happening, put my arm around myself when I was young and say, not only are you okay and you're safe, but those things were not your fault and they'll never happen to you again. And that gives me chills just even talking to you about it because that's where all the shame comes from. The shame, if you look at the work of David Hawkins, like looking at the Hertz measurement for shame, it's a 20 out of a thousand, you know, and <laughs> enlightenment and love are closer to like 500 and a thousand. Shame is the lowest vibration in the entire universe. And so I was operating from the place of existential shame. Shame that my body looked a certain way, shame that uh, these things happened to me, shame that I couldn't have prevented them. Just like shame is really heavy, man. And so when I was able to see it for what it was, which was, oh, those things happened for me when I was a kid so that they would allow me to grow stronger. They would allow me to go on this path of being, quote, the wounded healer who now heals other people and is doing the work to continually heal himself. That is not a death sentence. It's actually a gift. Like when these adversities happened for us, I saw the full complexity of this where, wow, the only thing I have is gratefulness. Like I'm grateful that those things happened for me, that I was picked on and everything else. Cause it led me to be here talking to you, Yuri. I wouldn't be in the wellness industry. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I hadn't had those hardships happen for me. Yeah. And so, you know, that was something where I really got to hold myself as a child and say, I got you. That's, that's pretty powerful. That's awesome. We talked about kind of this this universal stuff a little bit before we started recording. Uh, I wanted to come back to that because I think, you know, both you and I are on, on a very similar page with respect to this. And for everyone listening, it doesn't matter if you're spiritual or religious, whatever you want to call it. But I think, you know, this is an important discussion because it's just it just happens whether or not, you know, you believe in it. It doesn't really matter. We talked about the law of, of vibration, of attraction. And, you know, you'd mentioned something to me where you came back from this retreat and you felt so much more aligned that like things just started happening for you with a yeah. lot more ease. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is really cool because I, I do believe that if we're fighting ourselves, if we're not really in alignment with why we're here, like our path on the planet, it's going to be harder. And I think I was, you know, it's funny, my business name is Wellness Force. And for a long time, I was forcing Wellness Force. <laughs> and it's not something that um, I can talk about here lightly, because man, it's it's been the ultimate challenge, you know, growing a business. My, my deepest truth is that it's been so challenging, but it's because I wasn't aligned. You know, earlier, I talked about I was being kicked over to the sympathetic just a little bit like five degrees. Now that I've transferred, and I've gone through this threshold, and I've gotten to do this inner child work, I'm, I'm not only excited about the work that lies ahead, but I finally, for the first time in my life, I deeply feel aligned to calling in my worth. I think it's really about self-worth, Yuri. Mm -hmm. The reason why things have been coming to me and why opportunities have been coming my way, um, even getting you know the awesome opportunity to talk with you, it's like I finally feel my worth. I finally feel that, oh, 
this is what I'm here to do. I'm learning about this physical and emotional intelligence and I'm speaking my truth as loud as possible because I feel like I'm worthy to do so. And this worthiness is not possible unless we see the deepest, darkest fear cave that we all have inside of us. And I think, honestly, this was probably one of the biggest hero's journeys I've ever done in my life. You know, going to Rhythmia, coming back, speaking my truth. Man, it's been it's been powerful. But at the same time, um, it has not been easy. Like this is not some sexy thing. I don't want to glorify plant medicine in any regard. This is not something that you do for fun. It's something that uh, you feel the call to do. It's something that actually kind of calls you, really. And I believe that it can be probably one of the most powerful deep dives into who you are as a person and to really feeling, not just saying it, but actually feeling intrinsically your own self-worth, which, you know, self-worth is connected to self-love and then self-love is connected to everything else in life. It's like, man, the more I'm in this industry, all roads lead to self-love. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, there's not a single person that I know of or I've worked with where self-worth, aka self-love is not an issue. I don't believe I can charge this much or I can't connect with so-and-so or whatever it is. And so in your experience, is a lot of that coming back down to you childhood experiences? I think so. Yeah. I think that's a really, that's a really awesome question. It kind of made me kind of made me shudder there for a second because you know, the, the, if you, I think of this analogy where Steve Young was the backup quarterback to Joe Montana. And once in an interview, he, he was asked, you know, do you ever feel like, um, the monkey will be off your back as far as you being ever as good as Joe Montana? And Steve Young was like, no, he's like, it's always going to be there, but I know my value and I know what I can bring to this team. And I feel the same way, man. It's like, look, those things happen for me when I was a kid and all the lessons I've learned and accumulated up to this point, they actually never go away. I don't think that the monkey quote ever goes off of our back. Uh, I still get to be aware of my eating habits. I still get to be aware of negative self-talk. I don't have this thing wired. None of us do. Mm -hmm. And anybody that goes on major media or television and says they got it all figured out is lying to you. I don't trust anyone that says they have it all figured out. So, so the answer to your question is I really feel like it's a continuum. It's a, it's a practice where we get better as we go along, but we always stay humble to being a student. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's why I think like, and, and maybe I'm biased here, but cause I hang around mostly with entrepreneurs, but I find like a lot of entrepreneurs are more growth oriented just because of the fact that we have to be in order to, <laughs> to kind of succeed in business. And I think there is that element of like always, you know, introspecting, growing, wanting to learn more about ourselves so we can, you know, be of more service to others. Um, but it's such an interesting journey. It really, really is. And I do believe that that self-worth is, is a big thing. And I actually just recorded um, a bit of an episode on this uh, earlier where I was talking about kind of self-worth and self kind of self-image identity. And I was talking about how for the longest time when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was play pro soccer. So my goal was like soccer, soccer, soccer. That was my identity. And when I retired in my mid-20s, I'm 25, I had the toughest time changing my self-identity. So even though I had started this business and I, I, you know, doing all this other stuff, I still saw myself as this 17-year-old soccer player. And it was really uncomfortable for me getting in situations where I was around people that were wealthier, whatever, more successful. I always felt like I wasn't good enough to be in that, in that, in that crowd. And that's something that I've recognized, you know, over the years, something I've 
you know, work through. And it's something I continue to see over and over again in everyone. So if you're listening to this, like, I don't care if we're talking to Richard Branson or anyone else, like there's always going to be that level of like, am I good enough? Will people like me or whatever? Um, but yeah, it's just such an interesting discussion to, or kind of piece of introspection to, to be had, I think, by everyone. And this is like really making an impact for me in this moment, too, because this is the intersection. Like this is the true intersection of where we are in 2018. It's it's this practical what we need on an everyday nuts and bolts basis to succeed. And then there's also this other half of the intersection that's spirituality. That's this quest for self-love self-care practices you know it's you can't read and and garner self-love from a pdf online it's not possible <laughs> it's not going to happen no it's it's so true and um oh, i completely just lost what i was going to say that's how you know we're at a good point in the conversation I man <laughs> exactly absolutely yeah. i don't even know i'm not i'm not even gonna waste the time trying to think about it but let me let me ask you this what would like so out of out of everything you've read learned what would you say are maybe one to three of the most impactful investments you've made whether they're books teachings uh experiences like this what are what are one one, one to three that have made the most impact in your life and why the first one that comes to mind is starting the podcast. One thing I didn't get to share when you asked me kind of about my journey was I actually left fitness. I left for two and a half years because I made up a story in my mind that I wasn't good enough and there wasn't enough money to be made in health and wellness and it's too saturated and blah, blah, blah. You know, the monkey mind took its control. Mm -hmm. And so in 2012, I left and I went to the technology industry, sold software there. And, um, I really was committing spiritual suicide. I felt it the whole time. You know, the money was great, but I was just like, my soul was dying. And so when I came back, when I got the gift actually of being fired, I made a decision. The first thing you asked me one to three things. The first thing that I did was I committed to launching a podcast. I didn't, I wasn't attached to the outcome. I didn't say, well, it has to have this many downloads or I have to have this guest on or whatever it is. I just connected with that voice inside of me that said, speak your damn truth. Mm -hmm. Put some information out into the world that you actually believe in. That was the first thing. The second thing was a commitment to growing my emotional intelligence. I started with MITT, which is Mastery and Transformational Training in LA. I've done Landmark. I've done other experiential weekends. Number two would be experiential emotional intelligence trainings. It's the only way that we can get sparked and get guided, this guided experience to understanding what's going on inside of our body. Um, and then the third thing is just really being excited about what's to come. You know, this natural curiosity, kind of gathering evidence, man. Number three, gathering evidence for my path being exactly where I'm supposed to be, taking ownership of me gathering evidence to provide me that the universe is showing me through things, events, and people and conversations that I'm on the right path. It's my responsibility to gather that evidence. That's awesome. And if everything were wiped away, what one message would you leave this world with? If you can breathe, you can choose. If you choose to take a deep breath and take control of your nervous system, whatever is going to come after that moment is perfect. Hmm. That's deep, man. That's good. That's awesome. Thank you, dude. Josh, this has been really, really awesome. Um, but before we finish, we do have the rapid five. Are you ready for it? Let's go. Let's wrap it. <laughs> so five <laughs> rapid fire questions, whatever comes out of your mouth is probably the right answer. So uh, number one, uh, what is your biggest weakness? 
biggest weakness is I tend to take on the energy of other people. I'm an empathic guy. So this is an edge for me to not take on energy from either clients or uh, influencers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big one for a lot of healers for sure. Uh, Number two, what is your biggest strength? Biggest strength is actually my biggest weakness because I'm an empath and I feel people. I feel like I have a deeper awareness to actually connect with what someone cares about. I think it's what makes me a, a great podcast host is this connection, this, this intuitive connection that I can create with other people. Yeah, that's great. Wicked. Uh, number three, what's one skill you've become dangerously good at in order to grow your business? I have become really good at podcast operations, you know, the back end and the marketing and the understanding of how to create little pieces of content and repurpose uh, podcast world. Watch out. <laughs> here he comes. He's already here. Awesome. Uh, number four, what do you do first thing in the morning? 20 ounces, actually 24 ounces of spring water or filtered water. And then I do a two pinch of uh, Celtic sea salt. And then I do an entire lime. I learned that from Charles Poliquin where you get uh, digestive flow from the lime mm-hmm. and then the salt helps to rehydrate you with the minerals. And then of course, you know, we've been off gassing water all night. So that's, that's kind of my morning cocktail, which is funny. We see a lot of people in the industry talking about this right now. Uh, totally. It's, it's everyone. I, so everyone I ask this question to, it's, a drink a, like a liter of, of water with apple cider vinegar or with lemon or with sea salts. It's pretty much like the most common answer for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the best way to start your day. Very few people ironically have said anything about coffee, which is, uh-huh. which is pretty cool. Cause I'm not a huge caffeine. I, I don't like caffeine. I like coffee, but I don't like caffeine. So I drink decaf, but it's cool to see high performers relying on water first thing, which is great. The coffee comes later, but if you don't hydrate first, then you're just pouring kerosene on a fire. Like yeah. that's not going to help you. Exactly. Just open yep. up the floodgates. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, and finally, complete this sentence. I know I'm being successful when. I feel in my body and in my heart that my results I'm creating are aligned. I feel in my body and in my heart that the results I'm creating are aligned. That's great. Love it, man. That's, that's really powerful. Josh Trent. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Josh, thank you so much for being with us. What is the best place for everyone to check out your podcast or follow you online? Oh, Yuri, it's been a total treat and joy to connect with you, man. This journey has been not always the easy one, but it was cool to be able to reflect back and, and talk about some of these gems, man. So if people want to dive into more gems and, and listen to the podcast, it's Wellness Force Radio on iTunes and also wellnessforce.com on social. It's just Wellness Force everywhere. Let me know if I said something that you're like, hey, this guy's crazy. <laughs> Let me know. Or if you want to talk more, I'm, I'm happy to talk with you as well. That's great, man. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for taking the time. And I just want to acknowledge you for just showing up in the world the way you do like it's very very refreshing to see someone uh, like yourself who again like we we have these these stereotypes in our heads like oh a football player or whatever um you don't really make the association of like a, a former football guy with someone who's really deeply spiritual and really connected at a deep level so i wanted to acknowledge you for just being who you are showing up and sharing your wisdom sharing your journey it really means a lot to myself to our listeners and obviously to the people you serve so thank you for being you and and doing what you do wow man just so appreciative of that i received that i'm grateful for you and gosh what a way to start my morning this has been such a fun conversation with you man and i really appreciate you as well thanks so much buddy 
So I hope you enjoyed that one. I had a lot of fun chatting with Josh, great guy, and really got me thinking about looking into this Rhythmia retreat center in Costa Rica. So if I decide to jump off the the bridge and not that I'm jumping off a bridge but you know take the leap I guess and and do that I will definitely let you know and keep you posted with any breakthroughs that happen on my end but in the meantime talking about breakthroughs it's all about helping you create breakthroughs and two things before we finish off today number one uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast please do so today we've got a Great a bunch of episodes coming your way. Great guests, great solo rounds, really inspiring stuff, and some great strategies and 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 mindset uh, concepts to help you get through obstacles and really reach your biggest dreams and goals. So you can subscribe on iTunes. I believe we're also on SoundCloud, which is pretty cool. I didn't even know that, but that just you know that that, that just goes to show you how much you don't really need to be involved in the process. Pretty much all I do with this podcast is talk. And I'm gonna do an episode in the future about your most valuable activity and talking about ideas versus execution. This is gonna be an interesting concept, an interesting idea, and I think uh, something that will further get you thinking about what you should be doing in your business, at least with most of your time. Now going back to the idea of breakthroughs, we would love to support you if you are willing to step up and ready to take your business to the next level. So if you already have a successful business, if you already have an established presence and you wanna to get to the next level, maybe you're doing you know, six figures a year, you wanna to get to the next level, break seven figures, or you know, even if you've got you know, a lot of things you're working on but nothing's really kinda of cracking the code for you, then we can certainly help. And we do that through a result accelerator call, which is a free 45 minute call with myself or one of my result coaches. And our goal in the 45 minutes is to really serve you. It's not a sales call, it's not a sales pitch. Our goal is threefold. Number one, help you attract your ideal clients or perfect clients more predictably. Second is to show you and help you convert them more consistently without feeling salesy. And then third, helping you devise a program that can deliver amazing results for them without one-on-one coaching. So if that's of interest to you, then you can book a call with us today. Again, it's totally free over at healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash book. The only caveat today to that is obviously that we only have so many spots in any given week. So if you miss out, you're going to have to wait. And that would suck because, hey, why put your dreams on hold, right? So anyways, grab a spot today. We'd love to chat with you and love to support you. Take your business to the next level. And in the meantime, Thank you so much for joining me once again on the show. Hope you've enjoyed this. I've had a lot of fun bringing it to you and I'll see you in our next episode.